0: This is Wildcat Country. It's
1: only right, the ball's in his hands, a milestone victory for Arizona, Simon Says Championship.
0: All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. It's
1: up for <laughs> the
0: end the end zone, Arizona, has scores
2: a touchdown,
0: Wildcats win. Let's go to work, brother. Welcome to another
2: edition of Wildcat Country powered by backcourt marketing i'm eric cohen along with shane dale as always and kind of a weird week, Shane. Uh, In a way, I'm conflicted. I'm sad because our college football season is over, and I'm happy because, well, I mean, our men's team is number 11, and our women's basketball team is number seven. So in a way, uh, it's a great thing. And we have a great show talking uh, all three of these sports. Uh, Ryan Anderson, who is a former Wildcat basketball player, now a grad assistant for the men's basketball team, going to join us uh, here on the program in the second segment. Then our buddy, Jeff Dean, who is the voice of uh, Arizona Stadium and McHale Center, going to uh, talk a little uh, football and men's basketball and make some picks w- with us in the third segment. And before we get going, Shane, and recap the territorial Cup, I just want to thank our sponsor, Backcourt Marketing, who's staying on with us uh, throughout basketball season and beyond. We're, we're so glad to have them. And if you had a chance the other day, uh, check out the Cat Country AZ Twitter feed. They had some awesome tweets come from their Backcourt Marketing uh, Twitter that got some really good response. So take a look at that. We are very glad to have them as a sponsor. And our social media uh, uh, associate here with uh, Wildcat Country, but okay, Shane, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, the football game on Saturday, thirty-eight to fifteen, ASU. Uh, our predictions were fairly close. Uh, give me a few thoughts.
3: Well, first, Eric, I thought you were going to say that you're sad because college football season is over, but you're happy because college football season is over. It, it was, it was rough. Yes, it was rough. That, well, yes. So, you know, there aren't a lot of territorial cup games that go the way I really pictured that they would go in my head because it's just an unpredictable game. This one did. This one pretty much went the way we thought. You know, Arizona kept it close for a little while and then reality set in, the floodgates open. Arizona just is not nearly as talented as ASU. They play with more effort, but it just, that gap was just too big. Arizona is not good enough to overcome mistakes, whether it's turnovers. And the two turnovers they had were just like two of the worst you've ever seen that directly led to 14 ASU points. And that was the difference in the game. Too many penalties, red zone uh, failures again, a six, I think six or five or six red zone trips, one touchdown. That's just awful. And, uh, you know, I I said before too, you're not, Arizona's not good enough to overcome Pac-12 officials. There was an awful uh, non-call on a blatant hold on Jaden Daniels' touchdown run, which, okay, didn't decide the game necessarily, but, you know, you factor all those things in and you get the final score. So uh, I know you were there. You you braved the circumstances at Sun Devil Stadium. I was back here uh, watching from, and I was able to turn it off when I I didn't when I didn't like how things were going. I switched over to Bama Auburn in the fourth quarter, admittedly, Um, not disappointed in the effort. I haven't been disappointed in the effort all season. That's never been the issue. The talent just isn't there. I'm still optimistic about the future. I'm glad that Arizona got one win, so we don't have to Mm -hmm. hear about that losing streak for the next eight, eight, nine months. And uh, it, we got this out. We knew it was going to be painful. We knew this season was going to be painful. It was probably even more so for different reasons, including injuries, uh, You know, back-to-back season-ending injuries to quarterbacks. It's out of the way. It's over. Uh, we'll have to see who Arizona replaces Don Brown with. As of this recording, they haven't uh, named a replacement. They'll probably name one as soon as we get this on the web. Um, but I, I'm optimistic about the, the recruiting efforts of this uh, the, this coaching staff has done. I think they're going to add some more big names before, the, uh, before next season. And uh, I think the real test for Jed Fish starts now.
2: jane it was very uh, interesting being at Sun Devil Stadium. I thought the entire atmosphere was apathetic on both sides. I didn't get crap from one Sun Devil fan uh, in attendance. Everybody was very – Their fans are
3: miserable too, which is kind of crazy because they won eight games, but they're miserable
2: too. Eight games, but this was their most talented team in 25 years, and Mm -hmm. and so it was a disappointment. You know, I'd I'd love for a disappointing season to be eight games for Arizona. Uh, That just seems like a a lifetime away. Uh, You know, it was what it was. I I thought uh, Will Plummer had some good moments. Uh, The first drive of the game, they go down and, you know, made a couple of big plays. Dorian Singer made a couple of big plays and then uh, get down there, couldn't score in the red zone. I'll tell you one of the
3: biggest plays of the game in my opinion was uh, the long pass to Dorian Singer where he got tackled I think at the five yard I think he actually got tackled close to the two or three yard line and it was a bad spot but when he didn't score like if he scored on that play I think it would have been a completely different game in terms especially in terms of momentum and how big that was. He gets tackled to the five and the first thing we're all thinking is well, you might as well sit on the field goal unit now. Yep. Because that's just how it's been. They got down to the one. Of course, they had the false start penalty. It's, been this, it's the same old story all season long. And that was the epitome of the Wildcats season, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, gave us some hope, and then they uh, did what we thought they would do. And you're right. That was pretty much that, that first drive was the epitome. And I was standing in that end zone for that first drive. Just kind of walked around the stadium. It was just one of those games where it was like, yeah, I don't need to sit there in my seats and watch every game. I'll just walk around. And I will say this, as much as I don't want to compliment anything ASU, they have made Sun Devil Stadium way better than it used to be. They have. It's yeah. light years better. All right, uh, let's do what we have done, our newest segment. Shane's called By Yourself, so let's get into it. Um, number one, uh, with a, a very tough schedule next year, including now you have non-conference games at San Diego State, who could win the Mountain West, against Mississippi State, who was ranked for a while, and North Dakota State, who's you know generally one of the best fcs teams plus you have now with lincoln riley coming into the conference at usc among other things uh it's a brutal schedule Uh, i'm putting the over under at three and a half games are you buying the over shane or are you buying the under
3: well i'll buy the i'll buy the three and a half for sure i think that's exactly where it should be as far as whether they should be over or under, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I I would put it exactly at three and a half, though. Okay. I, I think I, I they're certainly capable of winning more, especially if they get a good quarterback in, whether it's Jordan McCloud returning or Noah Fafita as a true freshman or a transfer that you know there's there's several out there who may or may not be possibilities for Arizona. I think three and a half is right where it should be. I'll I'll I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to buy where I you have your three and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold serve. I'm I'm going to hold hold serve. I'm going to hold off. On, on picking the over under until we see a little bit more in the offseason, including who the next defensive coordinator is going to be.
2: Yeah. And we will talk about that extensively on next week's show. And uh, let's get into And we're going to talk about obviously the roster construction often over the next six plus months. Uh, but let's go to number two. Uh, next year's starting quarterback for game number one at San Diego State is not currently
3: on the roster, buy or sell. I will. Reluctantly sell because I think Jordan McLeod might be the guy if he's healthy. I I think. I, I could certainly see the the, the week one being on, on the depth chart being uh, Jordan McLeod 1 and Noah Fafita 2. Um, now, it uh, wouldn't shock me, you know, a program like Arizona, which is in, still in dire straits in terms of talent, maybe they have a true freshman and Noah Fafita starting right away. That could absolutely happen. But I think I saw enough out of Jordan McLeod in as small a sample size as it was to to believe that you know, he gets healthy, he gets more reps with this uh, in, in practice before the season. I think he could be the guy going in. So before for that reason, as of now, I'm going to sell, and you can play this back to me in a couple months and show how wrong I, I, I was.
2: I'm going to buy this one, Shane. I don't think Arizona's starting quarterback is on the roster. I, I think Jordan McLeod is, is going to be a nice backup. I think Noah Fafita probably a year away, Give it, you know, redshirt him, give him a chance to you know, uh, get into college practices and, and such. Uh, I think Arizona goes out and tries to get a guy like Jack Miller, who is a Scottsdale kid, uh, just transferring from Ohio State. I know he had, a, I think it was a DUI or DWI the other week. So that doesn't necessarily help his cause. But I think Arizona goes the transfer route and and that quarterback is starting week one next year. Beats out Jordan McLeod uh, in um, fall camp. So uh, I'm going to buy that and we will see about yep. that. Uh, number three, uh, next year's Territorial Cup uh, against ASU is Jed, is Jed Fish's Day of Reckoning. Uh, this will determine the
3: future of the program, buy or sell. I think it's a conditional situation i'll'll I'll, I have to give a buyer sell I'll say sell because I think it's as big as that game is there's 11 others and there's a lot of big, like if Arizona you know scores a big win at San Diego State and they upset USC you know I think you can forgive a territorial cup loss but if Arizona say is gosh two and nine going into that game and then that win can put a band-aid in a lot of things and jetfish can still say hey we're going in the right direction going into year three Uh, If they've won a lot of games already and ASU is a good team as well, then I think you can excuse it, even though it's miserable to it would be miserable to lose yet another game, a six straight game to ASU. But I don't I think it's it's way too early. I think even if you asked me at the beginning of the season, it would be too early to say that it's a make or break game.
2: I'm saying bye. Uh, I don't think you can lose six in a row to your rival. This is not Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I know Michigan got over the hump this year. Uh, Arizona has to win this football game. You, they need to circle it right now. Jed Fish needs to be talking about the Territorial Cup. This is after 70-7 to and a relatively uncompetitive second half uh, in Tempe this past weekend. That game is a must. If they go, as you said, 3-9, and nine, but one of those is is ASU, I get it. Okay, I'll see some optimism. If they are 6-6 and and one of them is a loss, my optimism is going to be there, but it wouldn't be as much in a weird way. You have to win that game. You cannot lose six straight to ASU, who is a team that is honestly... Going on the decline, they're going to get some sanctions, and that is Jed Fish's day of reckoning, in my opinion. That's why I came up with that that kind of it, phrase. Did,
3: did you see my bold prediction, uh, which is probably going to be end up being a stupid one on on Twitter, that Arizona would be favored to win that game next season? Oh, I did uh, not see that. I no, did see I did that. Not. I, my, was my prediction is that Arizona will be favored to win, not that they will win, but they'll be favored to win because I do think ASU uh, is going to be on the decline. If you look at their recruiting class, it's uh, it, the cupboard's pretty bare right now. Now I would sell that
2: i would yeah. sell that
3: prediction okay well i think you'll be and, and that and that's fine but you know and of course if spencer rattler ends up uh, going to asu which is that he's the heavy favorite in vegas there's actually vegas odds on it yeah uh, then it. Yeah. And that that can change things but uh that is my bold you like bold predictions eric i, I just gave I you do. one
2: all right uh shane we're moving on to basketball by this time next week arizona will have its
3: two basketball teams in the top 10 right now the women are seven the men are 11 Yeah, I'll I'll buy that because Arizona, the men and women both have two games they should win this week. The following week, I don't know because both teams have tougher tests. Uh, Arizona against the men's team against Illinois and the women's team against a ranked Texas team. Uh, So I I don't know if I would say I would buy it for two straight weeks. But for next week, yes, I'm going to go ahead and buy that.
2: Uh, Number five, the expectations for men's basketball. As of right now, Shane, in your opinion, uh, are or in 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 I guess the fan base's opinion are they are similar to where they were uh, under Sean Miller's teams? Let's say TJ McConnell that era 2013 to 2015, and I would throw the 2017 2018 team in there in just in terms of
3: this team is going
2: to go far. Would you agree that the expectations right now are similar?
3: Buy or sell? Yeah, I, I'll buy it. I don't think that they should be. I, I don't I don't think that's that's fair to this team. Maybe they are that good. Maybe they'll stay in the top fifteen, the top. 10 all season. Maybe they'll, they'll actually contend for the Pac-12 title along with UCLA, but we got such a small sample size still. Okay. We've played just a few games. They've looked good. They've also didn't look so good against Wichita state. Remember they could, that game mm-hmm. could have easily gone the other way. Okay. So let's keep that in mind. They haven't dominated every single opponent. They, they dominated Michigan. They have blown out every team that they should have blown out. And, and then some, they've done everything that can be asked of them. I still think there's room for improvement, including shooting, which is great, but I, so yes, I will buy that the expectations are that high right now. I don't think it's necessarily fair to this team though, at this point, I'm going to sell that one, Shane. I just don't think the buzz is out there with a
2: fan base. Like it was back in the day. I know social media is more prevalent. More people are on Twitter, for example. I just don't see that. I I mean, people are excited, but I don't see it at the level that they were when Brandon Ashley, you know, that team in 2013, before he got hurt uh, against Cal and and the, you know, the two teams with Nick Johnson that went to the, uh, the elite eight. I just, I just, I just don't see that. So I, yeah, I, I, I think, I think maybe
3: some, I think maybe some fans though are, are guarding their hearts closely because number one, they've gotten them broken so many times and so many elite eights under Sean Miller. And also we know there are more sanctions coming. Will they be this season? Probably not. Like Bruce Pasco told us, it probably won't be in time for the season, but we still don't know for sure if they're going to be, able, be eligible in March. And then if they are, say they go to the final four this year, or they even say they go and win it all this year. Will they have a chance to defend that title the following year or the year after that? We don't know. No one so. will care.
2: No one will care. Shane. If I, they I win understand. This year.
3: I, I understand that. I'm just saying that I think a lot of fans are, are, are cautious right now, even though I I do think there are some who are all in and thinking this team should be a Final Four contender at this point. Maybe the excitement isn't necessarily there. Maybe it's two different questions. I think between expectations and excitement, I guess, the expectations, I think, are sky high. But the excitement, I think fans are kind of guarding themselves a a little bit more cautiously than they used to.
2: All right, bonus buy or sell question. So I'm going to preface this with former Arizona defensive coordinator Mark Stoops at Kentucky just got a a unique kind of extension. And we're recording this on Tuesday, so it it happened today. He got, I believe, a five-year extension where in every year he wins over seven games, seven or more games, one year is tacked on. And if he wins 10 or more games at Kentucky, two years are tacked on to the deal. So it made me think, buy or sell, Shane. Adia Barnes deserves a lifetime contract. For the University
3: of Arizona women's basketball team. Oh wow! Oh, you didn't see. Here's the thing for people who are listening. Eric sent me all of the buy or sell questions he was going to ask, except this one. Oh, geez. This would be easy, Shane. You think? Uh, yeah, I. I mean, life. And she got if him I to had the to, finals. Uh, I know. One I shot know. away from the I national. I know. And, and well, you know, what's even more important and people forget this, just the fact that they got to the tournament for the first time yep. in, in 16 years and as a three seed is huge, regardless of their run after that, okay? So, okay, you t- I, I'm talking myself into buying it, sure. Okay. I, yeah. I, I think so. If, if that's something that Arizona could, could manage, then sure, yes.
2: I would love to see Dave Heakey come up with a unique contract offer for Adia Barnes that rewards her saying, hey, we're going to give you a 10-year deal and for every year you make the tournament, we're adding two more years on to it something like that you know where you you figure out the buyout or or something like that where you make it so that adia barnes is not leaving this team for at least 20 to 25 years you make sure she stays in tucson what she has done has been nothing short of unbelievable and right now the women are number seven in the country so you buy that all day and i hope that the Arizona Athletic Department is listening and somehow comes up and structures something uh unique for Adia Barnes because she darn
3: well deserves it. They make all their decisions based on what we say here in Wildcat Country, Eric. You know that.
2: If they did, Shane, we probably wouldn't have been 1-11 this year in, in football. Well, we could have. Uh, all right, coming up next, let's talk to Ryan Anderson, who's uh, who's back in Tucson after a few-year hiatus. We'll, we'll find out what he's been up to. Then our buddy Jeff Dean will join us in the last segment here on Wildcat Country, powered by backcourt marketing. Now that football season is over, it's, it's all about uh, men's and women's basketball and really excited to have a, uh, a new graduate assistant to the Wildcats program, but some of you may remember him from his uh, one-year stint as an Arizona basketball player in 2015-2016. Well, you probably should because he was a first-team All-Pac-12 selection, Ryan Anderson joining us here in Wildcat Country. Ryan, first of all, welcome back to U of A. Glad to have you on the, on the podcast uh just want to ask you. You know, this year's team, yeah, thus far, number eleven in the country, beating crushing Michigan, who was top five at the time. Did you expect this team to be this good this quickly?
1: Um, I mean, coming in, you know, I haven't been around college basketball for some years, so I had just my my time in college to kind of compare. Well, we used to be compared to now. And I knew we had a lot of talent. I knew we were young. Um, I knew they had a pretty up and down season last year. But, you know, uh, I, th- I thought we definitely had talent. And just the way that these guys have been working in the gym and in the classroom and stuff, it just, it's cool to see them have this much success early because uh, I really do feel like they've earned it. And uh, it's just about keeping it going at this point.
3: Yeah, Ryan, like Eric said, thanks a lot for joining us. Welcome back to Arizona. Um, I know you suffered a knee injury last year while playing pro ball overseas. Uh, If you can, can you tell us maybe the short version of your journey from that moment to returning to Tucson as a grad assistant?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, when I first got hurt, uh, obviously it was a whirlwind for me. I got up to a good start in the season and um, I was just in my bed, you know, uh, leg up and, and Sean Miller gave me a call. Or just reached out told me, he wished me the best. He had been following me. And, uh, if he needed anything just to let him know. And, uh, he had kind of tossed up the idea of being a GA and stuff like that. But at the time I hadn't really, I was just in a, such a whirlwind of emotions. I didn't really, um, uh, take it to heart too much or take it to thought too seriously. And then, uh, as the, all the changes happened with the staff and everything, um uh, and, in coach Lloyd's first couple of days here, he actually reached out, I guess, um, uh, the physical trainer here. And, um, some some former guys that used to be a part of the staff here had left my name on their list of like possible guys for GA and and Coach Lloyd just gave me a call and I really just felt his energy and his passion for wanting to do something special here and I, uh, from there I kind of just ran with it I, I really felt like um, it would be a great opportunity to learn a new system and, and be a part of uh, this next chapter of Arizona basketball.
3: Yeah. Would you compare the personalities between Sean Miller and Tommy Lloyd? Like what? Obviously, that they're a bit different in some ways. We can just tell from what we see in the press. What are some of the big differences in, in their personalities and their approach to the game of any uh, between Sean Miller and Tommy Lloyd?
1: Um, I mean, well, the first similarity that I think they both have is their attention to detail. I mean, Sean and, and, and Tommy both at this level, their, their attention to detail is so high. They 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 know the game so well. Um, just being able to sit down and know that I learned a lot from Sean when I was playing and then being able to be around Tommy and the rest of the staff right now, their attention to detail is just, it's just awesome to to, to try to soak it all in um, differences. I mean, obviously everyone can kind of see that, that, that Tommy's a pretty laid back guy. You know, he, he cracks jokes, you know, he, he, he he's big, he has a big heart for, for not only the players, but everyone who's involved with, the program and the city. And he's just, um, really, really engulfing himself in the city of Tucson, which is pretty cool to see. Um, I haven't been around enough to really get a full, full glimpse of everything yet, but, uh, I definitely would just say, yeah, like they're both very, very detail oriented, but I think, uh, Tommy brings a a little bit more lighthearted, um, spirit. And, and Sean was more of a, you know, strict, um, strict kind of personality. So, but they're both two of the best coaches I've ever I've ever seen and been around for sure.
2: One thing we've seen, Ryan, is this locker room, at least via social media, looks like a lot of fun. The players are really Soaking it up, just having a blast with the with the style of Tommy Lloyd. But just you know, even in their off time, really, really busting their butts. And and we we've seen uh, obviously as they've risen to number eleven. Just tell us what it's like behind the scenes. You know, being in that locker room, you're demolishing teams on the court and off the court. It seems like it's just a lot of fun
1: yeah i mean it's a it's a great environment to be around. I think Tommy and the rest of the staff have done a great job of coming in from the beginning and and creating an environment where we don't we don't cut any corners we work. We work our tails off every day. I mean, guys come in at seven in the morning all the way until seven eight at night after practices and stuff. Um, they're working their butts off in the classroom, but then we make it a conscious effort to uh, make sure that we enjoy ourselves and have fun. Whether it's you know Coach Lloyd brought everybody over for Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving dinner at his place, or you know just trying to keep a lighthearted spirit with uh, half court shots at shoot around or stuff like that where we keep, we keep the, the focus on working hard but having fun. And I think it's just created an environment where all these young, talented guys are, are, are prepared for the moment, but they know like they're just going out and having fun. And, and at the end of the day, we all do this because we love basketball and we can't, we can't lose focus on the, the fun aspect of it.
3: Yeah, Ryan, when you were at Arizona, your one and only season, the team started off hot, kind of like this team did, uh, won 13 of its first 14 games, ranked as high as number seven nationally. Do you have any advice to this team or have you offered any? They're uh, still a very young team uh, on just, you know, staying humble, continuing to work hard and not basking in their success up to this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. We actually, uh, I had talked with them a little bit about that yesterday. Um I was telling, referring to kind of like losing weight, you know, you lose weight, you lose the, you want to lose 30 pounds, you lose the first 15 and it's, it's hard, but it, it it's doable. And, but losing that last five to 10 pounds and maintaining it is, is the tough part. And it's similar with our, with our season. Now we knew we were talented enough to get into the top 25, but really to make that push into that top 10, but ultimately stay there and be at the end of March, you know, one of the teams that that make a run at the tournament is the hard part. And, Um, For these young guys, they haven't – with a lot of them, they haven't even experienced – this is their first season with Mikhail with fans and things like that because they had COVID year. So they're just trying to – there's a lot of new things being thrown at them. And I just just told them, you know, as we go on the road in Pac-12, it's the biggest game for a lot of teams that season. It's a new season in Pac-12. There's no easy games. So I'm just trying to, you know, impart on them a little bit of – of what it's really like to be a a ranked Arizona team because they didn't experience that last year and then they also didn't have fans. So um, just trying to give them a little bit of words of wisdom I can. But at the same time, there's no better learning tool than, you know, your own your own experiences. So they just got to go through it themselves.
3: You know, it, at your uh, introductory press conference, you came back to Tucson. You said you'd probably mix it up with some of the current players in practice at some point. Have you had an opportunity to do that? And is there anyone on the court who maybe reminds you a little bit of yourself in any way? Uh, yeah, I
1: got in practice every now and then, especially when, you know, uh, if somebody is uh, injured or sick or out for the day or something, we need an extra body. I mean, I'm obviously still young enough to play. And, you know, I, after my knee injury, you know, I, I can still play. I'm not I'm not dunking in things like I once was, but I can still get up and down and move and, and obviously help the team. So um, I get in there a few times here and there, but uh, it's cool, man. I see a lot of myself in a lot of these guys. I mean, like Kim Aiken, I see a lot of myself in just because uh, he was a transfer from a smaller school, comes right. here trying to find his way, um, trying to prove that, you know, he's good enough to be a part of a program like this. Um, and then obviously like a zoo, a just kind of the way he dominates in, in his duck-ins and his post-ups and things like that is something I used to take a lot of pride into. So those two guys mainly playing the four, um, as one, as a transfer, trying to kind of earn his respect and then, and, and through his hard work and then zoo kind of, um, uh, the way he plays kind of inside and out a little bit, I, I definitely see some resemblance zoo runs the floor better than I did though, for sure.
2: Ryan, your uh, collegiate journey was very interesting in that you decided to sit out a year between your junior and senior seasons to come to Arizona. What kind of was that, what, what made you pull the trigger to to come to Arizona and you know leave Boston College after three pretty successful seasons?
1: I think it was two things for me. One, one uh, my coach had got fired at Boston College. Steve Donahue had got fired. And he was the guy that recruited me. And I, I'm a big loyalty guy. So I was going to stick it out you know, with the guys that, that, that brought me in. But um, once he, once he uh, got fired, it kind of opened up the door. And then also I needed shoulder surgery at the time. So um, just kind of knowing that I wouldn't play that year anyways, kind of gave me the opportunity to look at it from a different perspective and possibly come closer to home with a better program and, and the medical staff here that could help me um, get my arm back to a hundred percent. I just thought it was a win win. My redshirt year, I learned so much from that team with TJ McConnell and Stanley Johnson and Ronday, Brandon Ashley. Like, I learned so much from that year, along with getting healthy and being closer to home. I mean, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And, you know, it it's from an outsider perspective, it looks weird sitting one year just to play, but for, for me it was it was a no-brainer.
2: Well, it definitely makes sense. And especially since you needed that surgery. Now, when you look back on that twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen season, what what stands out to you? Ah, uh, man, there were so
1: many great memories. Uh my biggest takeaway probably is a couple of things. I mean, I just wish I would have got a chance to play with Ray Smith more. I don't think Arizona fans will ever understand how uh, talented of a player he was, he had a chance to be, if for sure, one of our best players on the team, a starting small forward for us, uh, a guy that had an extreme amount of you know NBA potential and things like that. So looking back on that, uh, I wish I would have got to play with him. And then uh, just the the, t- the togetherness that our group had, I missed I missed just the the environment. We didn't have you know some of the McDonald's all Americans or things that you. Normally, would see on an Arizona team. We had Alonzo Trier, who was a highly ranked guy, but for the rest of us, we're kind of just like um, junkyard our dogs, trying to just doing it on our doing it on our own. And um, I thought it was cool that that we 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 kind of came together as a cool team. And uh, you know, I thought we got a, a rough matchup in that in that NCAA tournament. It was it was a tough matchup against Wichita State, but uh, overall, it was the is the best year, like I said, of my playing career, and it it was a lot of fun.
3: You know, Ryan, going into the season, uh, I don't think any of us, at least at, um, you know, on the outside, uh, put Arizona in the same category as teams like Gonzaga or Duke or even UCLA. And maybe they still have a ways to go to get there. But if they keep this up and keep the same level of play and the same focus that you talked about, how good do you think this team can ultimately be this season?
1: I mean, I think sky's the limit. You know, I think hard work always prevails in the end, and that's what we've been telling our guys, whether it's individually or as a team. um it's just about repetitions and, and the repetition of whatever you're doing always builds your reputation. Um, and our repeated acts of just playing hard every day in practice, working hard on your own and then playing, uh, playing hard in the games. I think if you watch us play, we play hard. We, uh, we play together. We have a lot of assists. And I think that just allows us to, uh, be successful so far early in the season. So I don't see why there's any reason why uh, we can't keep it going. And, uh, just uh, continue to play well as a team. All
3: right. My last question for you. And once again, we really do appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, What are your future goals? Can you see yourself as a head coach down the line somewhere?
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like I said earlier, I just, I'm just thankful that I'm getting a chance to learn this whole new system from such a great staff. I mean, our staff is, is arguably one of the best in the country. I mean, just from Tommy to, uh, Steve robinson to jack Murphy to uh, Ricky uh, from the NBA i mean we have we have a great staff so i would just i'm just trying to soak everything in right now um, but yeah my goal would definitely be um, to probably try to coach uh, be a head coach of a school someday i think the ability to you know recruit kids from inner cities give them a scholarship change kids lives in that way and then obviously just the energy and the passion that a lot of Schools like Arizona and other schools around the country have when you get a chance to play at a place like McHale, or you get to go on the road to other places and play in their environments. I mean, it never gets old. It's 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 a great it's a great environment. It keeps you feeling young, and 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 you see the passion for the game. So, I think it's just pure and and and, and an awesome environment. And yeah, I would love to be I would love to be involved in in a head coaching role or assistant coaching role as as my years go on someday.
2: Well, we're, we're glad to have you. And one last question that I, I guess I can't really resist in asking. You had mentioned the Wichita State tournament game, and obviously that was a difficult memory. But one thing that will stand out and I guess has stood out in social media circles is Sean Miller's shirt that that night. Uh, what can you tell us from the players perspective as to what you were thinking looking at coach?
1: I mean, people don't – maybe not have realized it, but all season long, uh, Sean always always was sweating through his shirt. He usually had two shirts at, at McHale. Like, he would change at halftime. A lot of the times in the games, he would come in, 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 a, in a different shirt uh, to start the second half. I think it was just the combination of being on the road for a NCAA tournament game, so not having an extra shirt and that game being very, very stressful yeah. uh, for all of us. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a bad combination, but it turned out to be, you know, a lot of memes and a lot of uh, social media um, jokes and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sean, Sean's as passionate as it comes in the business. So if you're around him enough, you know, it, it comes from a, a, a great place, the great heart of just being ultra competitive and wanting to win. And, and you know, sometimes you, you sweat through your shirt or you or, you, or, or stuff like that. So, um, but, it, it, yeah, that, I guess that was one funny funny thing that came from that from that game
2: it will it will last in meme uh, in the memedom world forever uh ryan for thank sure. you so much for uh, for joining us great to catch up with you glad to have you on the staff back at u of a and and hope to have you back on wildcat country again yeah no worries guys. thanks for having me
3: I want to read you a message from Josette, a small business owner in Scottsdale. Josette says, Backcourt Marketing created a social media strategy for all of my gyms. They post engaging content every day and have really brought up the analytics on all of my pages. We meet to go over marketing ideas every month, and I really appreciate their personalized approach. That, in a nutshell, is the kind of return on your investment that you can expect when you trust backcourt marketing to fulfill your company's social media needs. This is a company that helps businesses reach their target audience online and build a brand that will crush the competition. They're a dedicated, knowledgeable team of brand advocates, designers, and creative writers who will help take your business to the next level. Make sure to get your business noticed. Call 480 744 6173. That's 480 744 6173. Or email team, T-E-A-M, at backcourtmarketing.com to get started. And remember, Backcourt Marketing is the marketing agency for those who love competition.
2: Shane, very uh, cool to have Ryan Anderson join us here in the last segment. And, uh, you know, good to catch up with him and find out what he's doing these days and obviously making an impact on the undefeated number 11 ranked Arizona men's basketball team. Uh, Speaking of the Arizona men's basketball team and and football team, their public address announcer, the voice of of U of A, outside of Brian Jeffries, Jeff Dean, going to join us here for the last segment uh, to do some picks with us. And Jeff has been absent from the football and basketball games uh, for the last couple of weeks, but he will be back soon enough. Jeff, glad to have you. You with us and just first of all, your thoughts on what you saw from the football team in the last month. You know, they got the win over Cal, uh, but obviously the ASU game didn't go so well. Just your thoughts on the future. And uh, are you optimistic or are you still kind of guarded about uh, what we saw?
0: Yeah, you know, I think for the first time in I I think for the first time since the last time we won a territorial cut game, I feel like this program is galvanized from top to bottom, whether it, you know, going all the way to the top, you know, in the president's office with Dr. Robbins. I feel like uh, this program from Dr. Robbins to Athletic Director Hickey to the coaching staff, to the players, to the support staff, I feel like everyone is is kind of seeing the same vision and having the same focus which is obviously super important uh, for a large program especially in a, in a power five conference the way uh, that Arizona is right now um, there were certainly some encouraging things to take away from uh, from the last few games of the season um, you know at least we didn't end on a seven game losing streak a la Stanford you know Stanford looked really really bad at the end of the year I think in fact I think if we'd have played Stanford I think we would have beat Yeah, it's them. a
3: shame we didn't get a chance to play him. I was going to say
0: yeah, I mean, I think, I think you, certainly with their weaknesses that they had this year, I, th- I think Arizona would have beat that team by two touchdowns. Um, you know, there was obviously glaring issues with this team. There were a lot of growing pains. There were situations where uh, Jed Fish would call a timeout because they had 12 men on the field, and then they'd run the play with 10 men on the field. There were just issues like that, you know, all over the place. And, you know, unfortunately for, you know, for this particular team, this season's team, you know, the, the, the level of competition that they were able to put up against other teams just was lackluster just because of a, of a complete lack of talent. You know, I talked to uh, a scout from the Atlanta Falcons before the season began and he just, he just basically told me the team is talentless. You know, there's no NFL talent on this team. It's not a power five talent team. Um, they were, you know, they were competing in a power five conference with a, uh, with a, at best, a middling group of five level of talent. So um, that needs to upgrade obviously immediately, you know, this off season and, and they will, I mean, they're, you know, the, re- the recruiting class looks good. And I think Jed Fish, and I think the staff learned a lot from, from this year as well. I think one of the areas of market improvement that, that we saw throughout the season was Brendan Carroll and his ability to get the offensive line kind of working together as a unit, regardless of who was out there, because, there were so many times of situations where players would be shuffling in and shuffled in and out. Starting centers were playing left tackle. I mean, it was it was a complete mess um, for you know as, as far as injuries go. And you can't really blame injuries on any particular football season. Every football team has them. Um, but I, I'm I'm still very optimistic about about next season's uh, team. We'll see what happens in the offseason. You know, they've had a few guys enter the the transfer portal. Um, we wish them well and uh, we'll replace them with, you know, with somebody else, whether it be from a recruiting standpoint or from the transfer portal itself.
3: Yeah, we've talked about Arizona, this team just not being good enough to overcome injuries or mistakes, like penalties, red zone mistakes, or pac officiating in the case of a blatant misholding penalty against ASU, uh, but that's another story. Uh, let me ask you about the the men's hoops team. Uh, I know you've, you're anxious to get back to to Mikhail and call those games. Hopefully you'll be able to do that soon, but... Uh, they're undefeated and beat, you know they didn't just beat Michigan, they whooped up on them. Uh, few of us saw this coming, Jeff, did you?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, we, the last time we talked, I had, uh, I had a great amount of optimism for this team and, and you know, I don't remember exactly what I said um, but I know that I still feel the same way that I did when we talked then and there's no guarantee that UCLA is going to win the Pac-12. I mean, who, who's to say that Arizona can't win the Pac-12? Um, they're certainly talented enough it appears that Tommy Lloyd knows what he's doing as a head coach um, because you know this team. Uh, I you know I use I use this example: Arizona beat uh, Rio Grande Valley by 56 points or whatever it was, and it took a Herculean effort by Kofi Coburn, a pre you know preseason all American at Illinois. He had to score 36 points to finally put them away in Champagne just a few nights ago. Um, And that's the number – I think they were number 10 or ninth-ranked team in the country at the time. So, uh, you know, this team doesn't just beat their opponents. They drub their opponents. Um, And they do it in the style that Tommy Lloyd wants to play. He wants to play high-efficiency offense. He wants to get a lot of uh, of ball movement. He wants a uh, high-assist efficiency. They're the number one assist team in the entire country. And I think the most surprising thing about this team is – They're the number two team out of 358 schools playing B1 basketball. They're the number two defensive rating team Hmm. in the entire country, which is remarkable and speaks volumes about what Christian Coloco does as a rim protector. He is just absolutely incredible. Um, And I felt all along that he would be considered a finalist for the PAC 12 defensive player of the year. And I think as of right now, I think he'd be considered a finalist for the national defensive player of the year. He's that good.
2: So, Jeff, Shane and I talked about this earlier in the show. What is the ceiling, in your opinion, for this team? How far can they go?
0: I mean, I think at this point when you talk about what are there, 20 teams remaining in in college basketball that have an unblemished record, and I know that they haven't played a true road game uh, yet, and they've got a couple coming up, Champaign and Knoxville coming up. Those are two ranked teams. Those are going to be big tests for Arizona, they got Colorado coming up. Um, you know, the Pac-12 season is, is going to be starting. So they have some true road games coming up. That'll tell us a little bit more about this team. That's the next step. Um, but, you know, as far as the ceiling for this team, I mean, honestly, who knows? I mean, when you look at how deep they are in the front court and how well the back court is playing and outside of the game against Wichita State, where I think they had uh, 24 turnovers in that game, their assist to turnover ratio is best in the country. So... When you play basketball like that, and if they can continue to play the defense that they've played, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, UCLA made a deep run last year as an 11 seed. If Arizona gets a favorable seed and basketball is all about matchups and execution, if this team can find a way to shoot the ball a little bit better, which is would be remarkable, you know, because they're already scoring, you know, 91 points a game, um, you know, who knows? Final four championship game. Who knows? I mean, you you know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a definite ceiling for a team that's as talented as this Arizona team is.
2: And there you go right there. I hope that just made everyone's day. Like it made mine. I mean, we were already excited enough, but to say you know we hadn't really mentioned Final Four yet.
3: Jeff, can twist your words, and and when Arizona doesn't make the Final Four, I'm not saying that. Jeff, you predicted that. What happened? He did not know. He said the ceiling is, which is the question. That's what you're going to do,
2: though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's make some football picks. uh, You know, and see if I can gain. I'm I'm three games behind Shane. We're not picking any Arizona games this week, so that's you know we're not going to agree on those. But I need to I need to differ on three of them from you, Shane. So I'm going to let you pick before me on at least a few of them. Uh, We're going to let Jeff start on this one. Uh, The only, I I guess it's, it's the only non-conference championship game that's being played this weekend uh, from the postponement a few weekends ago, Uh, USC at Cal, two teams that are playing for nothing Uh, USC, obviously with Lincoln Riley coming next year, going to be huge for them. Jeff, where are you going in this one? Um, I, you know, it's just a toss up if I've ever seen one.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird situation, right? Where they have you know the makeup game kind of at, at mm-hmm. the end of the year. Um, neither of these teams, as you mentioned, have anything to play for. I wouldn't nope. be surprised if Cal wins the football game, and uh, I'm, I'm just, I'll pick USC just because I think talent will overcome eventually. Jackson Dart has played extremely well in the last few games. Um, the defense has been absolutely horrible for USC, but Cal's offense isn't exactly lighting up the scoreboard either. So I'll take USC.
2: Shane is USC back now with Lincoln Riley. And, uh, well, those guys is kind of like an audition week for them. Or are you taking, uh, Justin
3: Wilcox and the bears? I'll take USC it has nothing to do with Lincoln Riley being the head coach yet. Um, but I, simple reason for me, for whatever reason, USC has kind of been like the, um, the Cardinals, the NFL, they've been playing better on the road. They, they've been awful at home most of the season. So I, I think that, you know, team has much to play for, but I think, you know, maybe they're energized a little bit now. Um, they're the more talented team. I think both teams have vastly underachieved. I, Cal lost a lot of close games earlier in the season. Of course, lost to Arizona. You give them a mulligan because they you know out a bunch of players, but uh, you know, true road game. I don't like, to, I always start off by picking the road team, which is never a good sign, but I am going to go with USC.
2: Well, I'm going to go double not so fast on both of you. I'm taking Cal in this one. I just think Wilcox uh, you know, they've had, a, they've had a rough year didn't look so good against UCLA in the second half last week. I think they bounced back and beat the other Southern Cal school, which is already checked out. So I'm taking the uh, Golden Bears in this one. Uh, Mountain West Championship game Utah State who beat Washington State in week one against San Diego State who I, I believe I was the one to pick Arizona to beat San Diego State earlier in the year. And by the way, Arizona's first game next year is in San Diego State's new stadium. So uh, the Non-conference schedule does not get easier, and I'm sure Shane and I will talk about that often uh, in, during the off-season here. But uh, all right, Shane, I'll let you start. Uh, Utah State and San Diego State, where are you going in this game?
3: I'll go with the Aztecs. You know, I, I'm certainly impressed with what we saw at a San Diego. You know, you consider. Arizona was in most games they played this season you know in some point in the second half and often in the fourth quarter you know the, even the ASU game where they failed to get in the end zone in the first half it was still a one possession game uh, in the third quarter and they had a chance to make it close again and they threw the pick six and that was that was it so San Diego State is one of the few teams that really put a whooping on, on the Wildcats this year it, it, which is kind of weird to say but it's true so uh, I'll, I'll go with San Diego State uh, it would be nice to at least see a team that beat Arizona finish strong and I think they will.
2: Jeff how about you where are you going? with this one yeah
0: yeah I'm gonna go Aztecs as well they're uh, they're a pretty heavy favorite in this game I think uh, six and a half I think uh, is the uh, is the spread of this one uh, the defense has been really really good for the Aztecs Kirk Maddox the defensive coordinator runs that three three five um, and usually you don't see a whole lot of pressure out of a three three five but uh, lo and behold their pass rusher um, whose name is escaping me at the moment I had it I talked about it uh, over the weekend. Um, the, their pass rusher actually leads the, uh, the entire country in quarterback pressures this mm-hmm. year. So they get after the quarterback. They stop the run really well. Greg Bell, the, cor- the running back, future NFL running back, has had a little fumble yeah. here in the second half of the season. And they've had a lot of inconsistent play at quarterback. But that defense is so good. I think they just they're able to shut down Utah State.
2: I really want to pick Blake Anderson's Utah State team. They have just, they have a dynamic offense and came, you know, really showed up strong uh, late in the season for the most part without, I think it was a blip against Wyoming. But uh, I'm going to take San Diego State really close, guys, real close one. Uh, All right. uh, Cincinnati and Houston in the AAC championship game. I'll tell you what, I I have gone back and forth on this game often. I'm going to take Cincinnati, but close. I know that the line is 10 and a half. I'm talking really, really close anywhere between one and four points. Jeff, am I crazy? Does Houston have a shot in this game?
0: Yeah, Houston's got a real shot in this game, and considering all of the noise that's happening around the Cincinnati program right now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We know that Luke Fickle is a target of Notre Dame. Um, there, you know, there may be some uh, some residual uh, noise with the players and such, where they get a little bit out of focus. And you know, there's a possibility where Houston and that explosive offense can score early, get an early lead, and Cincinnati's having to play catch up. I believe in Cincinnati as a whole. They play all three facets extremely well. I think they win the game. I think right around what you're saying. I think right around three to five points, somewhere around their final score.
3: Shane, oh man, you know I, I I'm torn between what who I want to pick and you not being able to catch me. Um, but I was actually going to go with Houston in this one. Uh, I like and- it. That's a good pick. It's real simple for me. Uh, it's tough to go undefeated. It really is. And, and Cincinnati dodged a lot of bullets earlier in the season. You know, when the college game, day was there, they barely got past was a Tulsa I had to have like a last minute, a uh, last minute goal line stand to beat them. So uh, I think Houston is, is a, is an underrated team because they're not a power five team. Uh, and I think that this is, I would love to see Cincinnati in the college football playoff. It'd be a breath of fresh air. You know, them and maybe Oklahoma state and Michigan It'd be great to see some new teams. I just have a feeling that Cincinnati's run is going to end this weekend. You know, it's interesting, which I didn't realize until today. Apparently, if Cincinnati loses to Houston in this game,
2: uh, there is a chance they may not end up in a uh, in, in a big bowl game. Uh, there's a chance that San Diego State, as the highest-ranked conference champion, but hmm. then end up in the Fiesta Bowl. So, in a way... Uh, with fiesta bowl you know uh, the fact that i have tickets there i'm kind of i guess i want cincinnati to win but close game i hope houston keeps this one close uh pit and wake forest in the acc championship game um shane i'll let you start with this one i mean you might as
3: well flip a coin you no know, a lot of people picking pit but i'm uh, i'm not as certain here yeah uh, wake forest can score 50 points a game they'd be good but i i think that they're, they're finally starting to come down to earth a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of like Pitt. I, I think that that they've been probably the most consistent team in the ACC all season. Uh, maybe not the best team week in and week out, but I, I think they're a little a little more consistent, a little more even keel, a little more well balanced of a team on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to go with Pitt.
0: Jeff, yeah, 100% agree. Actually, that's uh, that's exactly it. They're they're a, a much more well balanced team on both sides of the ball. And look, this is going to be a fun quarterback showdown between Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman can really sling it, but I think some of the problems that we expected to see from a team who comes out like gangbusters the way the Wake Forest did, kind of took some teams by surprise, had a few early upsets, scored a million points on people. Uh, defenses kind of started to figure them out, started to play uh, certain coverages that were confusing Sam Hartman, and he was throwing a lot of interceptions, and I saw a lot of drop interceptions as well. Uh, against Wake Forest this year. I just think there's just too many mistakes lurking for the Demon Deacons. So I like Pitt big, actually.
2: All right, this is one of those games where I have to differ from Shane on a few of them. I don't have a good feeling. And every time I pick Pitt, they lose or or don't play well. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest here. I don't really have any great analysis. I think they're going to have to win 45-35 or 45 42 one of those crazy games where uh, you know they get some pressure on Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman doesn't make mistakes as you said Jeff so uh, I'm going to take wake in a in a mild upset in this one do you see I will, up- say, I will say this uh-huh.
0: I will say this real quick if 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 I may if there's bad weather I worry about Pitt because I watched Kenny Pickett in a bad weather game this year in a game where there was a lot of rain. He yeah, is North Carolina a good bad yep. weather quarterback. He cannot throw a foot. He cannot throw a wet football. Uh, that's a problem. So if there's weather this weekend, there could be an issue.
2: I have not looked at the forecast for Charlotte. So for now, we'll assume it's good weather. Uh, Big 12 championship game. This one really matters. If Oklahoma State wins and looks good, they're in the college football playoff, I would think. Uh, over Notre Dame and or Alabama.
3: Um, Shane, uh, Oklahoma State, Baylor, where are you going in this one? I do think this is the two best teams in the big 12. I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, respect Oklahoma. I think they were number three, even though they almost pulled off the upset or not the, I guess it wasn't sort of an upset uh, in, uh, in Stillwater. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think that I, you know, I predicted last week they're going to be in the college football playoff and I'm not going to back out of that. Now I watched the second half. They're they're a resilient team. They're a good defensive team, probably better than they showed against Oklahoma. They beat Baylor already. I don't think Baylor's quite at the same level as the, as the Cowboys. I'm going to go with OK State Jeff.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Oklahoma State's defense this year, they were just so dominant. Uh, Number one in overall defense, number one in rushing defense, number two in pass efficiency defense. They were number one and two in the country, and I think seven different defensive categories, which is absolutely remarkable. Usually that's reserved for teams like Alabama, and you would think that Georgia – would be in that situation. But Oklahoma State was uh, statistically, according to that, uh, for the most part, you know, the best or the second best or tied for the best defensive team in the entire country. Super, super impressive job by what uh, by Mike Gundy there because knowing that he wasn't going to have a dynamic quarterback in a dynamic passing game like you normally see in Stillwater, he relied on the defense, and they showed up big time. Um and I like what Dave Aranda is doing at Baylor. That is a very, very well disciplined team. They do mm-hmm. not hurt themselves, which is going to make this a close game but I like the Cowboys.
3: Yeah. I'm taking, let me just add real quick, Eric, yeah. uh, that I, if I remember right, Oklahoma state didn't give up a single point on defense in the second half against OU. Correct. OU scored nine points. There was a, uh, off a, uh, a muff punt and the safety. Yep. Yeah. So they blanked Oklahoma in the second half.
2: Yep. Yeah. Very good defense. You guys said, I'll take Oklahoma state in this game. I think Baylor's a tad overrated. This well-disciplined as Jeff said. I just don't think they're all that great. Um, they lost to BYU. Remember. Or uh, no, did, uh, no. BYU lost to them. I'm sorry. They're the ones keeping BYU out of a uh, out of a, a New Year's Day bowl game, uh, which is interesting. I still don't think they're that good. Uh, I will take uh, I'll take Oklahoma State by double digits in this one. All right, the three biggies, at least in my well, the the last one is big for us, but the two biggest games here, the Big Ten championship game, which is a, a, a game that with two teams that neither of us would have predicted would have been in the game as of last week. I, I don't think uh, Michigan and Iowa. I mean, I was big on Ohio State. I thought Ohio State was the second-best team in the country, and they got rolled by Michigan. Iowa really was outplayed by Nebraska for three quarters and somehow snuck in with a comeback from behind win and then Wisconsin not showing up in Minnesota. I think Michigan rolls in this one. Jeff, uh, can you disagree with that?
0: Uh, No, I can't disagree with it. In fact, I'm still kind of nursing a shoulder injury from patting myself on the back. Uh, because after week five, I predicted that Michigan would finally beat Ohio State this year. Mm. That would mm. get off Schneid, Good pick. Uh, and yeah. beat Ohio State. I just I liked the chemistry of the team. I just liked the makeup. Ohio State wasn't able to tackle anybody any you know all year on defense really. Um, and the way that Michigan was playing football, that was going to be a huge problem. When we saw that, and that game was not as in close as close as the as the score indicated either. Michigan nope. really uh, really kicked their butt um, in that game. And you know Iowa is one of those teams that. You know, you see it every year at a Kirk Ferentz. They do really well early because they're always a highly experienced team, obviously a well-coached team, but they're not dynamic. Mm -mm. And they're able to capitalize on other teams' mistakes. And then later in the year, when teams kind of figure out, like, let's just not make mistakes against these guys and we'll be okay. Michigan doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And as long as Jim Harbaugh doesn't fart around too much with – Changing the quarterback situation out left and right and yeah. having the freshmen come in and throw interceptions or fumble mm-hmm. the football or something like that. And they just play the status quo. They'll win this game by two and a half touchdowns.
3: Mm. Big, big. Shane, you agree that uh, Michigan will blow out here? Yeah, and then, like to, to Jeff's point, that, that's why they lost to Michigan State. They got too cute there at the end and yep. it. Now. And they're clearly a better team than Michigan State. They really should have gone undefeated this season. Uh, remember earlier in the year when I think number three Iowa beat number four Penn State. Yeah, uh, seems like a long time ago. Yeah, you know Iowa was what ranked sixteen. They're always mm. ranked somewhere around yeah. there. They're always in that next tier, and they haven't done anything to suggest that they're really out of that. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with Michigan. Their defense is decent. I think it could be a low-scoring game for maybe a half, three quarters, maybe you know, one possession game going into the fourth quarter, but I think Michigan is going to bust it open at some point. All right,
2: the game of the year, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, this could be the national championship game for all intents and purposes. Georgia and Alabama, number one against probably number three. We are recording this before uh, the college football rankings uh, come out on Tuesday night. So, All right, uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this one. Georgia, Alabama, Alabama Georgia has been by far the best team in college football this year Alabama should have lost if if Auburn's running back knew not to go out of bounds in in the final two minutes on Saturday. Uh, I'm taking Georgia in this one. Where are you going.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mention that. If Tank Bigsby just slides and doesn't mm-hmm. go out of bounds, uh, Auburn wins that football game. Mike Bobo has a, an offensive coordinator's job, yep. you know, on the planes yeah. today still. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of things are very, very different in college football. <laughs> if one little play that no coaching member, you know, really had had, a, had much of a say in, I'm sure they probably all told them all just stay in bounds and don't get out of bounds. But, um, you know, those things that happen when you're talking about kids playing football. So, uh, you know, this game, honestly – this is a this this is a lopsided matchup, uh, and Georgia is starting to play some really good offense. Their running game is starting to get uh, get clicking. Um, they seem to have found a go-to wide receiver uh, that they can that they can rely on, and Pickens is coming back. You know he mm-hmm. played. He did get one catch in the game uh, against Georgia Tech last week. He is expected to be a full go for Alabama. Uh, this weekend in the SEC championship game. I I just think Georgia smashes Alabama. And I think it's Mm. it's been a long time coming.
2: Shane, Georgia hasn't given up seven, seven or hasn't given up more than 17 points in any game this season. I believe Uh, does Alabama score more than 17. And if so, do they have a chance to win this game? No,
3: probably not. I, 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 I think the only way Georgia loses is if they decide to take their foot off the gas and like oh we're already in. But I just can't imagine that happening. Mm-mm. You know, there's so much on the line in this game. Uh you know and Kirby Smart's not going to you know let let them t- take a possession off. I I think that even if Alabama gets up early, I think Georgia has more than enough talent to rally. So uh so I, I'm going to go with Georgia. Unfortunately, if I'm right about the Cincinnati-Houston pick, I think Alabama is still going to sneak into the college football over playoff. Notre Dame. Over, I think the, I think a two-loss Alabama team would lose us to. Um, a and M. A&M and, and Georgia would probably get in over. Yeah, Unimpressive against. wins over Arkansas and, and Auburn. Boy, I'm that's... not saying that's what should happen. I'm saying that's what I think will happen. I would love to see Cincinnati get in, but I think they lose. I think Alabama loses to Georgia, but they still get in as that fourth team.
0: All right, don't and forget, and... Alabama was
2: down 3 nothing to New Mexico State at home. So that's, <laughs> you know. Jeff providing the context we needed in that uh, with that pick. All right, finally, uh, last pick uh, the Pac 12 championship game, two teams that faced off a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was uh, Shane and I had this one pegged correctly the first time around Uh, Oregon and Utah, now playing in Las Vegas, ironically, a uh, a, a location where there is no Pac 12 team, which, hey, I like it though. It's fun playing it at the new stadium. Uh, Utah, Oregon. Shane, I'll let you make the first pick
3: on this one. Uh, Do the Ducks get revenge? It's tough because I me- I remember and I might have even said it during our podcast that I thought that Utah was going to win the game in Salt Lake, but Oregon would win the rematch. But Utah clobbered them so badly that I I don't know if I could go with the Ducks at this point. I, I think I might have to switch to switch to Utah. I, I think that they do have the best uh, overall defense in, in the conference. Uh, ASU It should have been ASU, but it's not. Uh, Oregon has not. Well, they haven't blown out teams this year uh, for the most part. Even Oregon State made a late rally in the uh, the what the game formerly called the Civil War. Uh, even Arizona with Jordan McLeod throwing five interceptions. There was a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter. I think Utah is playing better. They're not the more talented team, but they're playing better right now on both sides of the ball. So I think it's a closer game, but I think Utah ekes out the win.
2: Jeff, do you agree with Shane, or are you going to agree with me well, who I'll give my pick in a second.
0: <laughs> I think he <you> just did.
2: <laughs> who are you taking? In the, who are you taking in this one?
0: You know, I was uh, I was watching. You know, as, as I was watching the Territorial Cup game, the Civil War game was was off to my left there, and I was peeking in on that uh, anytime there was a break in the action in Tempe. And what I saw from Oregon was an extremely fast football team. And, you know, we knew they were fast. But even against a really well-coached team at Oregon State and a team that's constructed a lot the same way that Utah is, we saw a lot of team speed coming to fruition for Oregon. And I think they kind of found their stride in that game. And I think even though we saw the blowout occur a few weeks ago when the Utes just – I mean, it, 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 the game was over at halftime. I mean, uh, that game was, a, was, was an absolute runaway. I think it's going to be a little bit closer this time around. And again, there's some noise around the Oregon program. Mario Cristobal may be looking to move on somewhere, you know, take another job somewhere, leave Oregon. I don't know why, Uh, but those are some of the rumors that are happening. And of course, you know, kids read the headlines and, you know, they start to believe things and rumors start rolling through the locker room and it could mess up their focus a little bit. But I just, I just love the way Kyle Whittingham coaches this football team. They'll be ready for anything. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be – I don't even think it's going to be a, really a back-and-forth game. I just think it's going to be really tight the whole way. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Than uh, than what we've seen in the past, or what maybe we, we might be expecting, but I do like Utah to win the
2: game. I'm going to take Oregon. Uh, just you know, to beat to beat the same team uh, twice in in three weeks just seems very very difficult, whether it's pro or college. And I think Oregon bounces back. And uh, the one thing, Utah has never been to the Rose Bowl, obviously. And the rumor is that if they do make the uh, Rose Bowl, Kyle Whittingham will hang it up, which would be very interesting. And I would assume that Morgan Scally, who's their defensive coordinator, would be the replacement. Seems like an obvious fit there. So you won't have any uh, coaching drama uh, one way or the other. But we will find out. Jeff, as always, great to have you on. Wishing you uh, getting good health. And we can't wait to hear you back uh, as the voice of Mikhail Center here soon.
0: Thank you guys. My pleasure looking forward to it, man. I want to see that that basketball team in uh, in action up close and personal again.
2: Definitely uh, a lot to be excited about this year. want to thank uh, Ryan Anderson, grad assistant for that basketball team, for joining us earlier. Uh, want to thank our great sponsor, Backcourt Marketing. Check them out uh, on Twitter. They had some great tweets uh, during the ASU game at BackcourtMKTG, or check them out at BackcourtMarketing.com. And then our friends at All AZ Sports for uh, producing the podcast as they do every week. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Have a great week, and as always, bear down. Bear down.